Sometimes we don't necessarily want to watch TV because we don't know if we can commit to an entire season. There's a lot going on in life. We're already expending energy in a lot of different places. We need that friend who's going to come along and say, Hey, I saw this thing. Go watch it. Come back and tell me how much you love it. Thanks. My name is Christina. I am that friend. And this is my podcast, Recaps and Receipts, where I give you a recap of the first episode of a random show so you can figure out if you want to watch it on your own time. I need a recap. I need a recap. I need a recap. Today, I'm going to be talking about the first episode of the TV show Euphoria. Euphoria is currently on HBO. Each episode runs about 52 minutes, 55 minutes, give or take. Just set aside an hour. There is going to be a grand total of eight episodes in season one. And... What makes this show worth watching? Zendaya. Just Zendaya. (laughs) I saw her in the OA in season two, and she just killed it. She, she killed it. She had the perfect blend of apathy and intellect that the character required. Oh, she just delivers. I also was interested because this is an HBO show and HBO has a fairly decent track record for releasing quality narratives like Westworld, Game of Thrones, Insecure, and now Euphoria. So let's talk about it. It's time for a recap. Most of this episode is narrated by Zendaya's character, Rue. Rue is a high schooler, maybe junior, maybe senior, not too certain about that. She tells the story of her life hitting some major milestones as she sees that they're important. I've said in a previous episode that I have a thing for watching TV shows that are narrated. I promise that I didn't pick this one out simply for its narration. I can guarantee I was really just excited about Zendaya and uh, all the hype surrounding this show. Now, to be clear, I've only seen the first episode of this show. There are more episodes available, but to avoid spoiling anything beyond the first episode... Just in case I forget the timeline of when things happen, I'm only watching the first episode, recapping it for you so that you can make your own decision as to whether or not you want to continue to watch the rest of the series on your own. So Zendaya, Rue, begins narrating the show, talking about birth, uh, her coming into the world, and then you know, hitting certain points in middle school and then, you know, up to present day in high school. And, and as she's telling you about these things, you are, are, are also seeing added details. I really love when you can watch a show and instead of just telling you to believe things or telling you to accept what has happened or what's happening or what's coming next, you're actually being shown 
you're you're seeing the text messages come through or you're seeing the look on someone's face after something happens you're taking in a lot more information than just what somebody is telling you in in you know in this case in the narration or you know in a conversation you're you're picking up a lot more details than what someone is simply saying this show does that incredibly well but before I really get into the rest of what happens, I gotta say that this show has a lot of explicit and mature content. And what I mean by that is you're gonna see body parts, men and women. You are gonna see sex. You'll see some pornographic images. You'll see drugs. You'll hear a lot of expletives and, and there is blood. So, if you are someone who knows that you're really using TV as a means of escaping some of these elements from real life, maybe this isn't the show for you. I know I currently wrestle with watching things that have graphic imagery simply because I wonder what the purpose of it is. And as I see, and as hopefully you will understand after I share this recap of the first episode, Euphoria is not shying away from the things that people struggle with day to day. And I find that a lot of the things that they cover, it's not necessarily having to do with, um, with the imagery itself, but the attitudes behind it. So we can jump into that a little bit more later, but I just wanted to give you all a heads up. This is mature. There are explicit things within this show. Please use your own discretion. To get back to our recap, Rue is catching all of us up and saying, you know, this is my life. This is the way that it's been. I live in suburbia and you see that she has um, a loving family, mom and dad, eventually younger sister, um, but we don't see her dad after a certain point and you're just kind of like, okay, well, let's just move along. You know, you're just kind of letting the story unfold as it is. And this is the point where I say as a writer, I would encourage you to trust the writers and their intentions. And we really meet Rue once she is re-entering her home from having completed rehab. She didn't stay clean through rehab, and she has no plans on staying clean. One of the first things that we see Rue do once she gets back is we're given a glimpse at her habit of sneaking her mom's Xanax from the bathroom cabinet. She reconnects with the people who can hook her up to the stuff, we meet all of the key players in this story, or at least most of them. We meet a bunch of high school kids, and you kind of gather that, you know, like, there's the mean girls, there are the jocks, and there are the people who are on the fringe. Uh, Rue explains that she has a friend named Lexi, who used to be her best friend, but now they're kind of distant. Uh, Lexi has a younger sister, Cassie. So you're, you're just meeting a bunch of new characters all at once. And you don't have to worry about remembering every single detail. This show is really great at keeping you up to speed and making sure that you don't fall behind just because you don't remember so-and-so's name. What's important to remember up front is Rue is the main character. 
Zendaya. Her younger sister's name is Gia. That's played by Storm Reed, who also was the lead in A Wrinkle in Time. And you should probably know Jules. Jules is a new character who has just moved to town and you basically meet her at the same time that you meet that you're meeting everyone. So while everyone is new to you, Rue is paying special close attention to Jules simply because she's new and she has a style that sets her apart fashion-wise. The main driver for this narrative is Rue's mental health issues as well as her drug addiction. She talks about anxiety and panic attacks, talks about the first times that she had felt them and how um, overwhelming the world can seem to her, but there's a moment following her panic attack where maybe she dies or passes out and it's quiet. And that's the one time, the one space where she feels like she can be safe in her own mind. And she chases this feeling by getting high on whatever. We learn at one point in the story that when she's young and she has one of her first panic attacks, her parents take her to the hospital and she's prescribed liquid Valium. That's the moment that everything changes for Rue. You also learn, she I mean, she almost turns around in the same breath to say... Yeah, and a couple years later, my dad passed away. As Rue is telling the story of her, of her addiction, she doesn't really use words like drugs or addiction. She just, she doesn't really call it an addiction, but you see that there's addictive behavior here. And she goes to rehab, comes back. She meets up with Fezco and Ashtray. Fezco is a lovable dealer, albeit absent-minded friend-ish. And Ashtray is a kid literally with ambition, so smart on it. He, he clocks all of Rue's behaviors and is about his money. We meet some, some jocks who are toxic masculinity personified. And that's putting it lightly. The main ringleader is Nate. Nate plays football and he's gearing up for this huge party that his friend McKay, a fellow football player, is going to throw. McKay seems uh, much more humane, I would say. He's not, uh, he, he's just trying to be a little bit more respectful of women and people in general. I dig that vibe. Thank you, McKay. One thing that we consistently see throughout the, the action unfolding the production quality of this show is amazing. I love the way that they have handled very real aspects of our lives and made them accessible, like texting or doing a Google search, um, dating apps, all the things. Sometimes that stuff can look corny or overplayed. It's not. It's, it's 
brilliantly done, helps to move the story forward. It also means you can't really look away from the screen for a second because you'll miss some extraneous detail that you really want to get the full picture of what's happening. Rue is home from rehab and and she's just come back from hitting up Fezco and Ashtray. Her mom is freaking out. Where have you been? Let's do a drug test right now. Come on. Rue knows that this drug test is going to come out positive, so she books it to her friend Lexi's house. Rue, the narrator, explains that she and Lexi used to be best friends, but now they're kind of distant. Doesn't really go into that, so you're not really sure why. Lexi supplies Rue with clean urine, and off she goes. She also meets Suze, who is Lexi's mom. She seems like a drunken mess. And Cassie, who is Lexi's younger sister. Cassie is going to be a more important part of this story later when we get to the party that McKay is planning on throwing for everyone. When Rue gets back home, she apologizes to her mom for attitude, etc. And her mom stands in the bathroom and waits for her. And Rue is like, can we please just, can you please just turn around? This gives her the opportunity to pour the, the clean urine into a jar for her mom to test. And as Rue is in the process of doing this, her mom is recounting like how terrified she was the last time that Rue OD'd. And we learn for the first time that Gia, her younger sister, is the one who found Rue, passed out, lying in her vomit, once the two have kind of said, okay, well, we don't need to talk about this right now, Rue passes the drug test and asks if she can go spend the night at Lexi's house. Now, you and I know she and Lexi ain't tight like that anymore, but Rue's mom doesn't know that, so she makes her way to the party. In the meantime, we see what's happening with Jules. Now, Jules has been spending her afternoon going through a dating app, and you see one after another of... Dudes who are just like dick pics left and right, you know, like, and so disrespectful in their approach to her. So she just blocks one after another after another. And then she sees this guy with the username Dominant Daddy. In his profile, he says something about being tender and gentle and blah, blah, blah. So she's like more intrigued by that. And he messages her in a way that. You know, I think he says something like, you're just so beautiful. What does it take to see you tonight? So she gets ready to go out and yes, she's going to go to this party later, but she's going to meet up with this guy first. We also have just learned that Jules moved here because her parents got divorced. She used to live in the city, but now she's moved to the suburbs with her dad. And Rue, the narrator, explains that Something bad must have really gone down because dads don't usually get custody. Jules is heading down the stairs and she's talking, she's getting ready to leave and her dad says, hey, 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 where are you going? And she's like, oh, a party or something. And he's like, uh, or something. <laughs> and she's like, you know, come on. So, he, you know, he just tells her to have a good time. She heads out. We see her walking toward... Uh, 
a motel kind of situation. And um, for a while, we don't actually see the man's face, the man that she's meeting with. We just hear his voice and he's asking her how old she is. And if she lives around here, she lies. She's obviously in high school, but she says she's 22. And she says that she doesn't live around here. She's just visiting her grandparents. Rue, the narrator, explains that probably would have been better for Jules had she never met up with this man. Had she just gone straight to the party. And while this man does live up to speaking to her gently and tenderly, the way that he has sex with her is not so much. And afterward, she notices that his phone buzzes, looks at his lock screen, and sees a picture of him and his entire family. And he has a wedding band sitting on top of his phone case. Great. Jules leaves and heads to the party. Now, while all of this has been happening, the dudes on the football team that all run in a pack together, they've been prepping for this party all day. And what I mean by prepping is watching porn and trying to figure out who among the girls in their vicinity are going to put out the most or in the most pornographic ways. So naturally, Nate, the ringleader, he gathers everyone around to show videos of one particular girl. And this moment was very difficult for me to watch because while these are characters, this reflects a real life scenario where some young woman is on a screen and thus seems much less real or much less human to the people who are watching her. And in this scene, all the guys are trying to figure out if it's Cassie. Well, it doesn't matter now whether or not it's her in the video because the association of, of who she is with the person in this video now changes the way that other people view her. And her life is going to change regardless because the guys around her have a new perspective, even if that wasn't her in the video. And it was interesting how all of these young men were gathered around the cell phone and they all talked about how this was basically a tutorial for how to have sex with women. So all these boys are super hype to, base, to just smash random girls. And McKay, who is throwing this party, but again, like I said earlier, is more humane. He's not really digging everything that these dudes are saying, but we'll come back to that. Ringleader Nate is expecting his ex-girlfriend, Maddie, to come through this party. Maddie is pettiest of the petty. I will tell you that. And they're both playing some games. They're both on one as Rue says, when they're at the party, just trying to outdo one another, getting back at one another, or making the other person jealous. Just over the top, y'all are a mess. At some point during this party, McKay and Cassie head off to a room by themselves. And we know that McKay is making an effort to be more respectful toward women, overall just trying to be a a more decent dude. And 
it seems like there's a moment when they're together in this room that the guys have gotten into his head. Without going into too much detail, he begins to to behave a little bit more sexually aggressively toward her. And she pushes back. She says, what are you doing? He said, well, I, 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 I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't know. I, maybe I thought that you would like that. I, I don't know. And she's like, well, why would you think that I like that? And then the two have a brief conversation about consent and keeping an open dialogue, then our perspective shifts back to the party where everything else is about to go down. And this is where the story shifts. Rue has just snorted something in the bathroom, comes back and says, this is where things get weird. And that what we're about to see or hear from her as the narrator isn't super reliable because she's not the most reliable narrator. There are multiple versions of this story. At this point, Jules has arrived at the party and she just tries to find a drink in the kitchen. Nate is pissed because Maddie has done the most to get back at him and when nate goes into the kitchen he sees jules trying to get herself a drink and he doesn't recognize her so he starts yelling like who is this person who is this person does anybody know her and she's like i'm just trying to get a drink and he's livid and then he starts to act like oh you know what i see you for what you are and i think you want some attention well i'll give you attention he, you get the sense that like he's about to snap in some kind of way. So Jules grabs a knife, brandishes it in his face. He jumps back several feet and she slices part of her arm, shouts that she's invincible. He's like, you're psycho. And she's basically like, you don't even know, bro. Back off. Shortly after that, Jules is getting ready to leave and... Rue is like, hey, are you okay? That was insane. And she's like, yeah, I'm good, but I'm going to go home now. And Rue's like, can I go with you? And now they're friends. And from there, there are little moments, like little pieces of things that you got to watch closely for. At the end of the night, when everyone's done partying, Rue and Jules are on their way back home, yes, but then you see Nate going home, and as he enters his house, he's going up the stairs, and you see him walk past a family portrait. What family portrait is it? But the same one on Dominant Daddy's lock screen. What? And then the next uh, thing that we see is Jules and Rue, after they've finished bandaging Jules's wound, just kind of like lying back, wondering kind of what to do next, not really talking about anything. And Rue says, I have an idea. Do you want to get high? And that's the way the episode ends. Top three things I want to see next. The first thing that comes to mind in terms of things that I want to see next I want to see more of Rue's family life, to be honest. 
it seems like her mom actually cares about her and her daughter Gia is just trying to manage the weight of being a now single mom because Rue's dad passed away a while back and she also doesn't know what to do for her child who's struggling with addiction. I want to know more about Gia as well. She seems to look up to and care a lot about her sister Rue. So that's number one, family life. Number two, I want to see other perspectives of this moment at the party where Jules and Nate have their confrontation. Rue has explained that she's really not the best or most reliable narrator. We can see why, you know, drugs. But perhaps because Rue really wants to trust Jules and really wants to like her, perhaps Jules actually is a psycho. And because we're seeing everything from Rue's perspective, we're not getting the whole story. I personally have a big feeling that the reveal at the end of this series or whenever they reveal whatever this story is, it'll just showcase everyone's humanity. And by that I mean uh, no one is absolutely blameless. That's my theory. Number three. Last, I want to see if there's an overall message that the writers are trying to get across. I want to know if they have conclusions that they've drawn about porn, sex, drugs, family, mental health, abuse. It seems like it is pretty intentional. They're not sugarcoating any of these things in the way that they're portrayed on the screen. And on top of that, I noticed that at the end of the credits, they have resources for people who need help. So you can text Euphoria to 741741 or go to euphoriaresources.com. With all of these pieces and the intentionality of the way that they have framed their shots or showed instead of told us what's happening, and then adding that post-credit resource for people who need help, I, there's gotta be some sort of commentary that they're making about culture today. I want to know more about that. Da, da, Thanks da, for listening da, to da, Recaps and Receipts. Da, 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 Until next time. I need a recap. I need a recap. I missed it. What are we talking about? I need a recap.